Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello. <laughs> Hello. This is the first time we're recording in a long time without alcohol. I and know. I'm nervous. I know. I feel like I don't have a personality without alcohol. <laughs> Same. This is going to be very like stiff, stale, 30 minute brisk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Factual. guys. Done. Done and dusted. And, uh... Factual story. No, how are you? I'm good. I'm. In that in-between stage of, I mean, we've talked about this. We saw an article in the New York magazine about the return of FOMO, but we didn't have time to read it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm feeling that I feel like we don't need to read like, it because that's... Because we understand. Yes. It's like that thing where London is half in, half out of lockdown and you can't really travel and restaurants are kind of open, but you've got to book in advance and it feels like you should feel back to normal, but it just doesn't and I feel like I'm just doing post-lockdown wrong yeah I think also because of the I think I can't figure out if we've had literally this exact conversation but I think because also we didn't have a spring and it's just jumped straight into summer and here because every day is like you feel like you have to make the most of the sun here because it's going to be gone in five minutes you just feel so stressed out all the time about what you're doing and what other people are doing and then you see someone who's at a pub in the sun and you're like god why aren't i at a pub in the sun or someone's gone traveling to the countryside or heaps of people portugal was basically the only country we've got this at the moment this kind of tier system between us and europe where it's like red amber or green and if it's green you can go and you don't have to quarantine on the way back but you do still have to pay for all these intense expensive tests but basically they opened it up so portugal was the only country we could all go to it was the only one on the green list and so all these people booked 
flights to Portugal and then were posting photos. I had friends posting photos from a beach in Portugal with cocktails. And I was like, why the fuck aren't I doing that? Like, why am I so stupid? Why didn't I just book this trip? Rah, rah, rah. And now it's gone back into amber. So like the, the moments passed. But then I think if we all just relax a bit, it'll, there'll be time and it will be way less expensive and stressful. But then also heaps of people are like booking. I'm just going to stress you out because heaps of people are like booking Airbnbs and flights for July and August just hoping that it will be fine by then because it probably will be. Yes, I had this conversation with some people last night and they're like, oh, you haven't done that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just so out of the loop. Or even when you do stuff, do you feel like when you do stuff, it doesn't feel like doing stuff? So you don't It's. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as in like, when you go for dinner, you still don't even feel like you're doing the right dinner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, I haven't been doing enough. And then I'm like, you went out like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like you've been doing stuff, but none of it feels like it counts. Yeah. For some reason, because there's restrictions on it. So it doesn't feel fun and carefree. So you're like, I'm doing everything and nothing at the same time. Yeah. I was on the phone to my friend on FaceTime the other day in LA and they're fully vaccinated. So they're allowed to travel to Europe and we're not basically. Yeah. Right. And they were like, we've booked flights to Italy for blah, blah. And, I was, and will you come and visit? And I was like, I can't believe that you guys can go to Italy and I can't. And it's two hours from me. It just all feels a bit. Yeah. The FOMO is real, but then I'm also at the same time, really enjoying not partying and not going out and stuff. I feel like I'm adopting that lockdown life into the real world, which I really like. Because I think I used to just move so fast paced and feel like I had to be doing shit all the time. Yeah, totally. But then it feels FOMO for like the big things. Basically, I'm I'm thinking by the time we know we're allowed to go to Italy, all the flights and all the accommodation will be booked because everyone else preempted that they'd be allowed to go to Italy months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like that Pandora Sykes book where it's like, how do we know we're doing it right? Like that's how I feel at the moment. I feel like everything I'm doing is wrong and I'm actually writing a story at the moment about you know those Instagram accounts that are like Parisians in Paris and Londoners in London and it's like just taken of people on the street what they're wearing and they're getting heaps of followers have you seen those no I'm obsessed with them and I was talking to the founder of the Parisians in Paris one and she was saying like I've had this since 2018 but it really took off in the last six months and I think it's because everyone is feeling like we talked about last week so scared about what to wear that they're like obsessed with looking at what mm. people are actually wearing on the streets because they know Instagram is bullshit. It gives you this sense of like calm and relaxation to see what other people are doing. We need the comfort of what other people are doing because we don't know if we're doing post-lockdown properly. Yeah, that's so interesting. I went to an op shop the other day actually around the corner from here. I had never been into it before, so I for some reason thought it was a really bad one. Went in and found all these goodies for – oh. Like a Rixo skirt, 30 pounds, a Missoni jumper, Gosh. 20 pounds, this really cute, I'm pretty sure it's a high street ripoff of a cute top, but I was like, when you get it from a vintage shop, you can just say it's vintage, it's not counted. like, not yeah. like this. I used to cut like Zara not like boohoo. stuff from secondhand shop. Yeah. <laughs> it's vintage. And when I walked in, it was funny, this other girl had that top in her hand and then I'm pretty sure she put it down to like peruse and grab something else in the interim and I grabbed it and just kept walking and then she was speaking in a different language about me for ages and I was like come and get it bitch and then later I looked at the tag and saw it was like 
fucking I don't even know it's some really crappy brand Bishka or something <laughs> that's so funny yeah I knew that she, she was like trying to get the guts to come up and tell me off but I was like I'll no fight you <laughs> I'll deal with this like d- complete discomfort to get the top yeah but yeah that like super confused about um fashion still this Rick so skirt is just not even like my style I'm holding oh, it up for you to see it looks cute but whatever. Yeah, I saw on those Instagram accounts, everyone was in like zebra print pants and I was like eBaying zebra print pants. Oh my pants. God, I saw fucking Hayley Baldwin and Dua Lipa both have zebra print bikinis. And then I was like, why do you wear so many boring bikinis? It's a zebra print bikini, Isabel. And then I was like looking at zebra print bikinis on matches. This is a dangerous period. This is the period where you buy silly weird things and you don't know why you have them. I'm trying to show a certain level of like restraint. Yeah, I think the op shopping thing is like the great middle ground of that. Because even yeah. if you buy weird shit... Like that top, which I should show you because it's actually crazy. I was going to say, did you come home and be like, why did I fight like an Italian for this? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, it could look really cute, but it's also just like kind of funny. Yeah. You can buy that shit and you're not wasting too much money. Yeah. I went to one of those like kilo stores where you buy vintage clothes by the kilo, which is just such a scam. They make you think it's like a bargain and then everything's like 150 pounds per kilo. So it's not even cheap. Yeah. And luckily my phone died before I could monzo money onto my account. It was like an intervention by God because I just had like a bucket of the weirdest (laughs) shit that I was just like, this, yep, absolutely, this, um, definitely. I had like these vintage jeans that just had like giant paisley, like just horrible. And I I just, thank God I got out of there. Wow, sounds quite cute to me. (laughs) I wear it with my zebra pimp bikini and my like (laughs) Italian high street fast fashion top. What's been happening? What have you been watching? I uh, went to the movies for the first time. I'm so jealous. Since lockdown lifted on Friday night, which was really cute. The only movie on, which I was like petrified about, was A Quiet Place 2. And I hate horror movies and haven't seen the first one. I haven't seen the first one either, but I remember people freaking out. Yeah, but I was just gagging to go to the movies. So I was like, I can just deal with it. And then I realized that I think the reason I hate horrors is more because I'm scared of my reaction to it. So I'm scared of watching a horror movie in the cinema because I'm worried I'm going to scream and everyone's going to think I'm, like, a loser. (laughs) So, um, yeah, went to that and it was really good. I'd highly recommend it seeing it at the movies because it's fully shot like that. Cillian Murphy, such a hot babe. He's so sexy. Emily Blunt's amazing. And I have a cute story about it because when I was in LA, my friend had flown over to babysit this little girl called Mia because her mum was busy working on A Quiet Place 2 as Emily Blunt's stunt double for it. Ugh. And they shot it in Buffalo, New York, like upper state New York. And my friend went with Mia to like visit her mum and ended up hanging out with Emily Blunt's really cute, well, met Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, but hung out with her really cute children and like took them to pottery with Mia and said that they were super incredibly lovely, incredibly kind young girls really smart and really thoughtful and gorgeous and then I read an article the other day it was Emily Blunt doing press for this movie and she said that her daughters still don't know that they're famous that their parents are famous and one of them came home from school the other day and was just like mom are you famous and Emily Blunt was like oh I don't I don't think so who said that (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah. They 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 just yeah they seem like the most like normal head on their shoulders couple in like all of Hollywood. I know, and I'm so obsessed with how obsessed he is with her. How he said that he watched The Devil Wears Prada and was just like, oh my god. She, I think was it he'd watch he either watched it before or after they met, which is like the only two options available. But I think he watched it. <laughs> after they'd met maybe and it became like his favorite film ever and was just he knows every single line of hers ah that's get you a man did you see that thing we're going to talk about Corella in a minute but did you see that thing where amy schumer she's such like a weird chick my like i know weird celebrity that i kind of like but don't that she put up a thing being like on instagram saying went to see a quiet place too Loves the movie, even though everyone knows John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are only married for the publicity. And then John Krasinski was like, what? And then she was like, ha ha. And then she she like kind of (laughs) was like, it's a joke. And then he was like, oh, yeah, we are married for the publicity. Ha ha. And it was just so awkward. And then she put up something being like, I also loved Cruella, even though everyone knows Emma Stone is famously the most toxic person in Hollywood. And I was like, these are just weird jokes. That aren't yeah. funny from a professional comedian. Yeah, that's odd. Um, imagine if it came out that they were a publicity stunt. That's what I was like. I was like, is this actually a thing where she got drunk and posted this and then they're all trying to make it a no. joke? But surely not. It was just a bad joke. Um, and then the only – actually, I was just reading a profile – on Zola, so the real Zola, before the movie comes out, Taylor Page is playing Zola in a movie about her like viral Twitter thread that we've talked about on the pod before. And the real Zola, Alison P. Davies from New York Magazine, went to Atlanta to hang out with her. And Zola took her out with her mum on the town and um, so took her to sick. all these strip clubs and stuff. And she said in the piece that she said something about this night feels exceptional. For starters, A24, the studio behind the movie, is giving Zola perks usually reserved for film stars, including both a car, a big black Escalade with a driver, and a PR ambassador, a white woman in a J. J. Crew shirt who spends dinner fretting she won't be able to get into the strip club because she's a white woman in a J. Crew shirt, two spicy margaritas, and one shot later, she isn't worried and instructs me to refer to her as everyone's friend in print. <laughs> it just sounds like such a chaotic night. I'm so glad – it sounds like a cool film studio as well that they know to do that. Yeah. Like, they know the right thing to do is to, like, really hero the real Zola and make her the star of the show because that's what it's all about. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. And she just goes into how, obviously, the Twitter thread was a crazy story and that's why it kind of went viral, but it also went viral because of Zola's writing. The words she used and the way she explained her story – and one phrase, vibing over our holism, was so uh, <laughs> revelatory. She almost put out a line of T-shirts. Missy Elliott and Solange were tweeting about her. Like, it's quite crazy. She's only 26. Really? Yeah. So she was and super young when that whole thing happened. She was super young. And she was saying that because the Twitter thread was five years ago and from the get-go, people said they were going to make a movie about it. So it feels like she's been kind of waiting for life to happen for the past five years for this moment. And then yeah, it's like totally. what comes after this. Quite this crazy. is what happens with films all the time. It's just like it w- would just be the most frustrating thing ever. Mm. Yeah. But I'm happy that she's finally getting her moment. I know. 
Um, and then also, I know that you've listened to this too, but I listened to a Today in Focus episode on um, the COVID lab leak theory, and now I feel like I'm a full conspiracy theorist. What are your thoughts? I just thought what they kind of said in that, which was it's weird that this theory became considered a conspiracy theory when it makes so much sense. I yeah. think people were so concerned about like not spreading anti china sentiments because there'd been that spike in anti-asian hate crimes that people started saying that the lab theory leak was a conspiracy theory when they were explaining that it's just something that happens with science really regularly it's how sars broke out it's how the anthrax leak happened in the uk every single country has scientific laboratories where they're working on understanding really complicated viruses and there's room for human error where something can get out. It's yes. not even a conspiracy. It's like just possible. Yeah. So for anyone who's not fully across it, because I wasn't, basically right when COVID first happened, China was like straight away, it's this wet market. It happened at this wet market. But at the same time in Wuhan, it's where China's foremost coronavirus research lab is housed. It has one of the world's largest collection of bat samples and bat virus strains. It's called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And it's where this woman who's been dubbed the bat woman, Shi Zengli, works. And she initially found out that the SARS epidemic started in bats. So she had gone to all these caves thousands of miles out of Wuhan, brought all these bats back, done all this testing, and then had started in recent years performing all these high-profile experiments to make pathogens more infectious. And this research has kind of generated a lot of heated controversy in the industry. So people are saying it's quite dangerous work what you're doing because literally a coronavirus could break out. And she also said when she got the call saying that there was a COVID outbreak in Wuhan, her initial response was to rush to the lab because she was so stressed that the virus could have started at the lab. And then now she's like vehemently denying that that could have ever happened. The World Health Organization was sent to Wuhan twice to figure out how COVID started, but both times they were never actually directed to properly investigate the lab leak theory. So there's been no proper investigation into it yet. And now Biden has sent them back to properly investigate it, which is quite a like turning point. But I think the reason no one took it seriously is because Trump jumped on it so heavily. Mm -hmm. Trump was spruiking it while at the same time telling people to inject themselves with bleach. So everyone was like, well, obviously that's not true either. It seems like a lot of the political vibes with China are like not good in a lot of Western countries at the moment. So I'm assuming that Biden's seeing some pretty compelling evidence aside from like everything you just said, which just makes it like so obvious. And it also said in that podcast, they were like, there's no bats for a thousand miles from that wet market, like living naturally. So it would have had to travel 1000 miles and there's no pathway from where there are caves to that wet market for it to actually make yeah. sense. So scientists are just like, we don't know for sure either way, but I'm like, it's obviously the lab. <laughs> yeah. And also if COVID started at the wet market, which is the main thing everyone thinks happened, it would have to have traveled from bats to another species, then onto humans. So that's what happened with SARS. So it was like bats to civets, which are these like really cute little animals that I Googled before, to then <laughs> humans. Um, but they haven't found the linking animal yet, which is like not that uncommon because with SARS it took a few years. But like you say, it would have had to have gone bats 
into this other animal, which was then at the wet market, and there's no trail of bats. There's no trail of like anyone having COVID on the way from the bat caves to the wet market. So it's like, yeah. Okay, boys. As Alec Baldwin would say, follow the source or whatever he said. <laughs> Consider, Consider the source. Follow the bats. <laughs> I guess what's interesting about like listening to the way journalists talk about the lab leak theory, I think it just shows how much like Donald Trump has politicized science. Mm-hmm. I think it's not just him, but I think he was really instrumental in being like, you can't trust anything you read. You can't trust experts. Like everything's up in the air, alternative facts. What you think is real isn't necessarily real. It's like up to interpretation. I think because he created that rhetoric, I think a lot of people literally don't think there is just a base universal truth. I think everyone thinks everything is somehow related to like morals or politics or opinions or value systems. And that's like bleeding into things. So because people are anti Asian hate crimes, as obviously everyone should be, they don't want to be involved in like the demonizing of China, which is like a completely separate issue because that's a political issue or in this like lab leak thing, which becomes a conspiracy theory about China when that's just a scientific thing. It's like people are tying A, B and C all together where they just don't need to be tied together. Yeah. And and it's that fear of sounding xenophobic, literally like the fear of sounding anti-Semitic if you criticize Israel. So mm. everyone just shuts up and everyone's like, oh, dunno then, must be that market. Yeah. <laughs> pangolin. <laughs> and the pangolins, yeah. A great PR campaign from China, Ari the Pangolin. It's just so funny how China was like, um, hey, hey, everyone, we've uh, had a bit of a mishap. There's, there's been a, a virus. It's, it's broken out. You, you guys don't need to worry. It's just come from this market. We're all good. And now yeah. everyone's like, wait a minute. Didn't even say sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't even apologize. Yeah. It's just so fun. Like, why would it start in Wuhan of all places? Where the Batwoman lives. Where literal Batwoman, like the, the head of coronavirus exploration. Yeah, who's in this lab fucking with bats all the time. My stomach just sank for her when she said when she heard there was a leak. She obviously was like, oh, God, it was obviously me. Sorry, everyone. I know. And then now China's been like, don't say that. And she's like, just kidding, obviously. Just it was joking. We don't know yet. We don't know <laughs> any. Like, you know, when you fuck up and you just can't fix it. Like, imagine that yeah. feeling on the scale of creating coronavirus yes (laughs) (laughs) a bad day for her yeah but then it's funny because i think people when they think of the lab leak theory they think of it as being something that china created on purpose to like fuck up the world and it's like no it's like what's it called occam's razor or whatever it's like the most likely situation is often the correct one and it's like the most likely situation here is obvious like it's, I, I was just listening to that podcast laughing i was like this is so funny that this is considered a conspiracy theory it's like the most logical thing i've heard in this whole yeah. 13 months it, because it's literally because of trump it's so funny if trump hadn't said that and someone actually like reputable who people believe had said that we would all be like oh yeah it makes sense yeah oh it's so interesting and it's just like the chinese government famously 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 gives out misinformation to protect their reputation or for whatever reason yeah they didn't tell people about sars for fucking ages yeah like that's not a controversial thing to say that's just factual over history yeah yeah anyway okay i watched holston have you seen it no but i've listened to every outfit talk about it on the pod oh did they yeah yeah i'm curious to see what they thought so it's a new netflix series ryan murphy produced i haven't watched all of it i'm like four episodes in 
about the designer. But it's about, yes, iconic 70s American designer called Holston, who I really love. I love that whole era of that, like, 70s Liza Minnelli, like, Studio 54, Pat Cleveland, Angelica Houston thing. It's just really sick. So, like, getting to watch all of that stuff is, like, really fun. And I'd seen kind of mixed reviews. I don't think it's the most perfect show ever, but I really, really am enjoying it. Mm. And... Ewan McGregor plays Holston, and I just think he's a genius. I love him. Yeah, I can't remember what they said about it. I think I think they liked it but wanted more – something more about Andy Warhol or something. God, I'm the worst listener. But, yeah. I, I started watching Mirror Beast Town, actually. I have nothing to say about that other than to just tell you that I'm watching that finally. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And then – I also listened to another Today in Focus episode about statues, which sounds really boring, but. Yeah, when you told me to listen, I was like, I don't know. I know. No, I agree. I agree. I was like, not the most exciting topic in the world, but it's basically about how after Black Lives Matter happened, they started tearing down statues across the UK. I think maybe in England as well. The most famous one being Edward Colston, the slave trader that they threw in the river. Um, And it's basically sparked this huge discussion because now all over the country, people are demanding all sorts of people to be taken down from like public squares or get streets renamed. Sadiq Khan in London has just launched a huge commission to like rename a bunch of streets and buildings if the background of the person is like problematic or racist Mm -hmm. or whatever and this whole conversation was basically about why statues even exist and why we memorialize certain people and how it creates this like cult of personality which we've talked about in the pod before it gives this idea that social movements are down to the actions of an individual when it really isn't and if you're going to turn someone into a brass statue they kind of need to be like perfect and no one's perfect. So the lines of why you tear someone down versus not someone else just become really messy yeah. because, okay, if it's someone who owned 700 slaves, that seems simple, but there are so many other things like with Winston Churchill and people who are just really complicated. And if they've just done something bad at some point and we're going to tear the statue down for that reason, it's like, what are those lines? Yeah. Statues are kind of, it's, it is kind of random position it's just like positioning one person as the hero so it's even I don't know why but Greta Thunberg just came into my head she's obviously done great things with climate change but then so have a bazillion other people so it'd be so random to just have a statue of her yeah and statues are just weird when you think about them it's so weird to just have giant brass or marble figurines of people just on the street it's like it's when I started thinking about (laughs) it it's a weird thing that we even ever did that yeah, definitely. And also so much of the, you know, he was, this guy was basically saying whenever regimes, like dictatorial regimes like Saddam Hussein or Hitler or whatever get overthrown, the first thing everyone does, the famous things, is everyone tearing down the statues. So it's like we do agree as a society that statues exist for a reason that's not just remembering history. They're people that we want to celebrate. But it's like who gets to decide who we celebrate and who is, yeah. Mm. It's very confusing. Yeah, it's very random. I feel like we just need to stop doing that. We need to have none. The guy was like, tear down. There'll there'll definitely be like a statue of the queen when she dies if there's not already. 
Yeah, I wonder where it will go. You know, because she's obviously like the longest reigning monarch. But then so many people are against the monarchy. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like even that will be controversial because people are like, oh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with the queen. But it's like, well, yeah, there kind of is. She like yeah. oversaw being a colonial empire for 100 years. Uh, yeah. She, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, on to one of the big topics we want to cover this week. <laughs> Grace just told me off for the way I introed that, so I'd start all. again. I just, I feel like we have like all these mini topics and then we structure it like we're being like, and I also watched this, and I also did this, and I also read this. And then if, if the listening people maybe think it's just an hour of recommendations, but it's actually very thoughtful, well-researched topics. topics. I know. We just, we just intro them wrong. But I think, yeah. Anyway, Cruella. Cruella. Deville. So it's the new Disney live-action remake with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. I actually wasn't looking forward to seeing this at all i didn't even really care that it had come out wasn't going to go see it at the movies and then we decided we wanted to talk about it on the pod because there's some really interesting takeaways from it and really interesting points of view about the content so we watched it and i loved it surprisingly i loved it too i thought it was a rollicking ride same a rollicking old ride yeah i wish we saw it in the movies like it felt like a real kind of cool movie theater movie to watch yeah so i'm annoyed we didn't see it at the movies so everyone go see it at the movies but i think the reason that i wasn't looking forward to it is because of all the marketing around it because i actually love emma stone and i loved watching soul so i like disney movies but i think the fact that it was kind of heroed as this feministy film it put me off yeah so that's what got me interested in watching it because i i hadn't even seen the trailer i was the same i thought it was kind of a kids disney movie i, I didn't just didn't engage at all and then I started seeing the same thing, like commentary around it as this kind of like critique of girl boss feminism and how it was trying to do a kind of sanitized version of the Joker, what the Joker was to men, like for women. So creating this complicated character that's really dark and 
evil and speaks to women's experiences or whatever. So then I was kind of gearing up to watch it and eye roll and find it really annoying and preachy and aggravating. But I don't think it was like that at all. It was like really self-aware, I thought. And everything was super tongue-in-cheek and camp and jokey and fun. I didn't feel like it was trying to make any statements, really. Me either. And I think all of the statements that people are putting onto it is really lame and annoying. And we're kind of going to delve into them a little bit. And because that's the thing, after I watched it, because I'd read all these people putting so many opinions and thoughts into it, that after I watched it, I was like, oh, God, what do you think about it? You need to form this opinion about it, about whether it's misogynistic whether it's feminist whether it's critiquing girl bosses whether it's blah blah and then I was like what if it's just a movie that you liked what if (laughs) and and it's not trying to make all these bold claims that people are kind of throwing onto it I think um yeah I think I love I love Emma Stone I love Emma Thompson I think the little girl who played her as a child is so cute the rare like not annoying child actor Yeah, I found it really funny that it ticked all the boxes of having a non-binary friend, a black friend, a mixed friend, a fat friend. And then I was also like, why do they always make the fat friend really stupid? Yeah, yeah, totally. Always. It's always like the dumb, bumbling idiot. Who's always eating. Yeah. Who's, yeah. I I found the soundtrack really bad. It had a song in it from a Vodafone ad in New Zealand. And I just couldn't stop thinking (laughs) about it. When they came out and they decided, I heard the strums of Iggy Pop. And I was like, they are not going to do Now I Want to Be Your Dog. Because it's obviously like 101 Dalmatians is like the backstory of 101 Dalmatians. And then they're singing that. And I was like, no, it was, that was the most aggravating thing. I feel like that kept pulling me out of the movie. It was as if they'd made a movie and then were worried because of like Instagram, Twitter culture or whatever, that people wouldn't pay attention. So they just kept throwing in a slick pop song every fucking five minutes. It was so weird. And then choreographing the scene to it. I was like, just let things happen. Like let things breathe. It doesn't have to be this hyper-polished thing all the time. I found it really distracting. I loved the fashion of it. It was like really beautiful visually. Which is so fa- what's so fab about fashion films. But yeah, as you said, it was like, it did feel like a kind of women's version of the Joker. So basically, for anyone, sorry, just quickly going back, it's the prequel to Cruella. So it's how she became evil. And it talks about her being a little girl named Estella and her mum dying. And then she grows up and it goes through her life and the traumas and the reasons behind her eventually becoming evil because Cruella is, I actually can't remember the original Cruella movies or whatever it was, shows or whatever. I think it's been made into a bunch of different things, but I can't remember how evil she was, but I was reading an Atlantic piece, which was basically critiquing this film because it was saying it was making her so nuanced that it takes away from her being this evil villain, which is the, What's so great about Cruella is that she's super evil. Yeah. I think I would agree with that because so basically like 101 Dalmatians came out as like a Disney animated movie in the 60s or whatever. Yeah. Off the back of a book written by a British woman, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cruella DeVille is like, there's like, something like Cruella DeVille. It's like she was this woman who wanted to steal their 101 Dalmatians and skin them to make them into a fur coat because puppies have like softer skin than big dogs. And then, so she was like this totally camp, amazing, totally evil person. And then they made a movie with Glenn Close in the 90s 
that made the backstory that she was like a failing fashion designer and that's why she was so obsessed with fur. But in that, she's like cartoonishly camp, evil, fabulous. So I kind of understand the critique that's just like Corella Deville is just fun and it's fun that she's just this absolutely heinous, evil, horrible person, like the Emma Thompson character in this movie. Like she's fun. If you got, if you understood her background, you'd be like, oh my God, I just, I don't need to understand why she's traumatized and like her. I just want to see someone being evil, but that's what the point of the movie was. So just deal with it. Exactly. And then I was, I was kind of talking about, cause I, I, I like liked hearing about, I loved the movie. So it's like, I liked the backstory and stuff. And I also find, I find all of the takes calling it a feminist movie kind of annoying and then I find it at the same time annoying to say that it's misogynistic so the New York Times did a piece saying that all of these films about the fashion industry being toxic and a bad place to work and things are misogynistic because fashion's one of the few industries where women are at the top but I also found that silly because I was like it is kind of a toxic place to work but also it's because the people at the top are just acting the same way as men like it's kind of more about power than it is about a gender thing yeah a hundred percent it's like any place where there's a huge amount of money being made yeah fashion is no more or less toxic than like an investment bank yeah it's it's like just it there's billions of dollars at stake and there's obviously like status and whatever involved but yeah i think the reason that these movies strike a chord is because there are elements of it so it's the same screenwriter as the devil wears prada Mm. it was the same screenwriter they had the screenwriter from Devil Wears Prada and the screenwriter from The Favourite, which is really interesting because I feel like that kind of makes sense to me. It had Devil Wears Prada vibe. It had some scenes that were kind of exactly what happened in The Devil Wears Prada when she was following yeah. Emma Thompson down the hallway with the notebook taking notes. That's exactly what happened with Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep. I was like, guys. That screenwriter just like copy and pasted, was feeling lazy. And then the favorite, it wasn't funny like the favorite. I think it could have been funny. It didn't make me laugh out loud. It could have been way funnier. Yeah. That's the thing. I thought it was marketed towards kids. But then when you watch it, it's actually marketed at adults, I would say. But then it didn't have all that kind of funny humor that you would expect. That's the one thing um, I did really enjoy it, obviously, but I feel like in terms of critiquing it, I was confused about who it was pitched towards because it. I agree. All the marketing and stuff made it seem like it was for kids. And then watching it, you were like, this storyline is like the Devil Wears Prada. It's an adult concept. But then because it's for adults, you then felt like it was kind of lame and sanitized because they didn't do anything really fun with it because they obviously can't have like proper violence or proper sex or proper anything because it's a Disney movie. Or even her smoking her like cigarettes, which is so iconic. Yeah, it would have been so cool if they made it an adult movie that was for adults that was where she actually did really violent shit or she actually, you know, Mm. it it kind of suffered from that promising young woman thing. With promising young woman, I just wanted her to like cut people's heads off and stuff. I wanted it to be like a full slasher fun revenge horror movie. And I get that it was more nuanced than that, but you were just waiting for that to happen. And with this, it was like, just let the women go the whole hog. I think that's kind of what The Atlantic was saying in a sense, where it was like it played it really safe by making sure that she still came across as very relatable and all of her motivations were understood and Yes, she does bad things, but it's because she's traumatized. But there's an element of just wanting to see a movie where someone's just like a horrible uh, person. Yeah, it was making it just something for everyone. But then what I found kind of interesting that I think no one really touched on, and it 
completely ties into what we talked about last week is that the whole movie up until like right at the very end and I won't ruin the spoilers or whatever but the whole movie is basically about class yeah and a class struggle and it shows like the Joker it shows an orphan with no money scrubbing toilets as a cleaner coming up against this really rich wealthy powerful woman and then even in the clothes it shows that so the Baroness's clothes are really gorgeous glamorous beautiful gowns and then Cruella's or Estella's are the Vivian Westwood, Alexander McQueen punk era things that young, like working class people wore in the 70s. And it's obviously filmed in the UK. So it feels like the class struggle plays a massive part in it, more than gender, I would say. And it's also interesting because there's like the thing that the Atlantic said about us maybe not needing to know why people are evil, but then it's also a lot of the people we would consider evil in real society or like criminals or people who are considered bad have been driven that way because of the conditions they grew up in or because mm. of class or because of like not having any money and needing to rob banks or whatever. I find that interesting and a storyline that's like worth uh, showing to young kids to be like people you think are bad, there's probably reasons behind it. I think you could make that point and still have her yeah. be more despicable, but yeah. it's a Disney movie. Like, But I completely yeah. agree with you. I think that's, that's completely true. And and like you said, even with the designers that they choose to reference, that's what that whole movement was about, was about like democratizing fashion, which had been really elitist and like bringing it to the streets and bringing it to the people. Mm. I thought there was like weird this, – this sounds really nitpicky, but there was just like weird things that – just weren't factually right fashion wise that just annoyed me because it felt like they'd be so easy to fix and to actually consult and get like yeah. even how she she visually merchandises a store window and then she gets a job as a designer I was like that doesn't make sense you could yeah. so easily have it that she designed something like and then uh, there was like something else I'm trying to remember what the other thing was I think Vogue wrote about it saying that they'd gotten the timelines wrong with some of the design or some of the does either the designers or the clothes the clothes she was wearing were like it didn't it felt like the timeline was confused i was like it feels like it's 2020 london yeah yeah totally and there was a few other things they referenced in terms of design mm-hmm. i can't i'm not making a good point because i can't remember what they were there was like five or six things that i was like oh my god you just had to have like one line of dialogue here or to switch this very differently and it would have totally made sense and it seemed random to make this huge fashion movie in clearly have no one that works in fashion involved yeah at all like obviously the costume designers were great but there was obviously no fashion people involved in it because there were so many weird things they said Mm. oh like during when she went into the store and she was like um blah 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 spring collection and it was just like a black jacket i was like even that just doesn't make sense (laughs) (laughs) stupid but i was like these are just little things that just bothered me and i'm like if you're playing to a fashion audience just get these tiny details right you're like a massive movie yeah yeah, exactly. It feels like they were just trying to cater to everyone. And then also, like, you talk about, I'm just going to argue my own point, like, you talk about the class thing and how that's such an interesting point to focus on in the movie. But then at the same time, all Cruella's really focused on is, like, reinforcing capitalism because all she wants to do is be the boss and she wants the credit for the designs she creates. She wants power. She literally said to Emma Thompson at one point, you're powerful and I want that. Mm-hmm. when at the same time she's wearing all this punk stuff and acting like she's going against the system and 
has all these cool non-binary friends, but then just wants to be the CEO of a, a company. A girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> What's that meme that's going around? It's like gatekeep gaslight girl boss. I mean, it did yeah. a really good job, I think, of representing that very specific type of boss that, yes. you know, gets a reputation as some sort of maverick and then actually just is running off the back of dozens of staff that they treat very poorly and gaslight into thinking their work isn't valuable yeah and other people's good ideas and other people's great work and they're getting all the credit for it a hundred percent and i just loved i feel like emma thompson just had like so much fun doing that character it was so great yeah i love her so much and the last thing i'll say in the joker there's like a real gap between Arthur or whatever and the Joker whereas with her I feel like you couldn't fully tell the difference between the Estella character and the Corella character apart from what they looked like visually Hmm. it kind of wasn't like she transformed and had like a different set of values and wanted something different it's like what she wanted as Estella and what she wanted as Corella were the same thing yeah as in you you thought that was there should have been a bigger change or you think that that's a good thing as in, I didn't feel like it was this Superman, Clark Kent thing where you had Corella bringing out this side of her that could be like nasty and powerful and dream big or whatever, because it felt like that's exactly what she was like. Yeah. yeah in the yeah. other character as well. Yeah. You could only tell she was different because she had root here. Yeah. Yeah. I found it interesting somewhere in a piece I was reading where they just said, why is Corella a villain we like compared to other villains? And it's because, um, in part, because she's beautiful and thin and glamorous. And we always think that the beautiful people are the good people. And we want to just subconsciously relate to them and subconsciously think that they mean well because they're pretty. Yeah, that's interesting. I also think all the Disney villains are like gay icons. Like I'm like, Ursula Hmm. is just a gay icon. I'm not sure why. Actually, there's a – so Style by Denny is like an Australian stylist and – he did a TikTok that went viral, Monroe Bergdorf and other people shared it. And he was talking about how Disney villains were like coded with queer tendencies. Mm, I think I saw that. And that that was a way of like demonizing queer people, but it's ended up just having the opposite effect where we now just think Disney villains are all like gay icons. So like Jafar and Ursula and... I can't think of anyone else. Cruella de Vil, obviously. Like they all just seem gay. I mean, there's more to it than that, but they all just like, they're, they're always like, you know, the men will have like a slightly effeminate voice or the women will have a, a masculine voice and they'll kind of make, you know, how Ursula obviously is like horny for Ariel. Like, it's like that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Subdom. That's so funny. And they were doing it to turn people against gays. Yeah. He was like, I don't know if that was on purpose, but that was like what the side effect was. But if anything, it's yeah. had the opposite effect long term. But I'm like, yeah, Cruella DeVille is just, she's just very gay. And I think that's why people are so drawn to her. And people just don't like goody two shoes. It's just fact of life. It's just boring. That's why we always yeah. like villains. Villains are always more exciting. Yeah. It's just hard to imagine her going from that film where she's like not really that evil to being as evil as she is. To like skinning puppies for coats. Yeah. You know. And her, the two guys who are in this movie end up being her wicked henchmen down the road. And I'm like, I can't imagine that either. I wanted her to bus one of that one. Huh? I thought she was going to bus that guy. Oh, yeah. He was really like flirty. He was really <laughs> cute. 
Another article I read in Bustle was talking about how like a lot of the criticism aimed at Cruella is that people feel very bored by the same movies being rehashed and prequels and sequels and whatever. But she was saying that basically because of coronavirus, like Bond, Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Cruella, uh, whatever, they've all been delayed until there can be an audience. So it just Mm. feels like those movies are everywhere right now because they are right now, but it actually makes up a really small proportion of movies that are made every year. Yeah, I love that it was a prequel. I didn't really realize that. I thought they were just like redoing Cruella, the story we know. And I was like, I can't be fucked for that. But I actually don't mind it when it's another take on it at and least. they just make money like i used to work in the cinema when i was in uni and if you had anything that was a franchise yeah people would just walk in and be like what should i see and you'd be like there's this 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 and fast and the furious and everyone would just buy tickets it's crazy fast and the furious needs to stop you know how like they kept making transformers and everyone's like why do they keep making this movie mm. every single transformers movie made over a billion dollars like every what single the one. What fuck is watching that? It's like a safer bet than investing in the stock market. It's like you just know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> every single one just made money. So why would yeah. you not keep making them? It's like they don't care if people are bored of it. They're like, I want a billion dollars, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm like, bored of it. Stop. It's like someone's fucking watching it. Johnny Depp was like trying so hard to get out of those films, but he'd signed the contract. <laughs> So funny. Uh, so funny. Um, all right, Jado moments. Okay, what do you think of Jado moments of the week? What do you think of Megan and Harry's baby name? Jado, obviously. What was your first thought versus now you've had some time to cook? My first thought was, what is Lilibet? Yeah, I just... Don't understand that as a name, and I understand they're going to call her Lily, but Lilibet is so random. Diana, I like do think is just Grant. Like, I just knew that was going to happen, and I think it's 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 cute and whatever. It's his mum's name. Yeah, Charlotte's middle name is Diana too. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. cute. But Lilibet, what, where did that come from? That's cringe. It has like. The reason I was like Jaro when it happened is because it had the vibe of whether this is intentional or not. It had just this vibe of like, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. It's like when you've, you've outcasted yourself from like a social group, except there's one person that you're still kind of on okay terms with. And then you like obsessively make out like you're better friends than you are. So you don't look like you've been outcasted. Like, I feel like that's what this is. Like they're being like, we're still tight with the queen. Okay. And the queen's probably like, oh. Wait, what's, who, is it, what's the queen's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Right. So Lilibet is because of the queen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so the queen's. It's so weird. It is actually, like, I know all these annoying Piers Morgan-esque people are criticizing them for it, but, like, it is annoying that they called their kid that because Lilibet is what the queen's dad called her as a nickname because she couldn't say her name properly at first. That's embarrassing. And so her dad called her it, her sister called her it, and her sister, Princess Margaret's, children were allowed to call her aunt Lilibet as like a little family in joke and then sometimes Prince Philip said it 
as a thing. So it's like a super personal nickname that like no one else uses in the family, including Prince Charles or anything. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Like I didn't know any of this. What do you think the queen thinks of this? She's probably like, stop it. That's what I mean. So this is why it feels cringe because it feels like post Oprah, they've like desperately tried to make a big song and dance about respecting the queen but have done it in like the cringiest way. And then there was drama because the palace leaked to the BBC that they had not asked the queen permission for it or asked her feelings on it. So she just found out. Oh my God. As if they wouldn't ask her. They are so random. Okay. So then they sued the BBC. This is what's, this is crazy. So then Harry and Meghan sued the BBC for saying that. And then when they sued the BBC, they said, We did tell her, we told her after the baby was born. So between the baby being born and it being announced three hours later, they called her to say, hey, the baby's born. And by the way, we want to call her Lilibet. And then the queen just said, well, okay. Like she, she, it's not like she gave permission ahead of time. She was just like, okay, well, if that's what you're naming it. That's so funny. And then the BBC, and basically because of all this Martin Bashir drama with the BBC, I always forget that people can't hear my reactions because I'm just like, I'm staring at you with like an open mouth as you talk, but no one can hear. (laughs) But I'm just shocked. Um, Yeah, that's what I mean. It is kind of, it is kind of embarrassing for them, I feel. So they're trying to sue the BBC, but what's happened, what I've been reading this morning, some columns are saying like the BBC are really, really sensitive at the moment because of the Princess Diana drama. Mm where it came out that they tricked her into doing an interview. (laughs) Um, The BBC are super sensitive to anything royals and people are basically saying with inside thing at the BBC that the BBC would not have run that story without full palace approval. Yeah, you know, like, very, very, very true. Because they're supposed to be the main press that the palace uses for all announcements. Like anything official goes through them. So to fuck up the relationship more. And they don't want, the BBC doesn't want any drama, backlash, anything like to do with the royals or Prince Harry or anything at the moment. And they refuse to back down or amend or take it down. They're like not staying up. So they're like fully backing their source. Oh my God, it came direct from Lizzie. Yeah, literally. And then they were again thrown off by the Sussexes. So they didn't post congratulations for two hours because they hadn't been given enough heads up time that it was going out. So all these like random celebrities like Oprah had congratulated the couple before the palace did. And then... Harry and Meghan bought the domain named lilibetdiana.com the morning Meghan gave birth. Oh, my God. Stop it. They're they're not doing themselves any favors whatsoever. And, like, that's just so jarre. And it's like I get the Diana thing, but I'm also like you guys have made this huge song and dance about how this environment is toxic and about how you think it's like a really old fashioned institution and how you had to get away from your mental health and how I am just Meg. I don't care about having any title titles aren't of any interest to us. We don't care. And then you name your child like Elizabeth Diana. It's like, what happened to Doria? Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it's like you could do it. I just feel like they were trying to do a nod to the queen in a nice way. And it's just ended up being cringe oh god sorry i just got distracted looking at these photos of kanye west and arena shake okay next topic um okay so kanye west and arena shake are definitely bussing or so they would like us to think 
<laughs> I'm such a conspiracy theorist now. But I know um, I've turned you onto it, but it's definitely this has definitely been like a somewhat planned rollout of them as a of couple. Of course. Yeah. He'll be doing the school run soon. I just I just don't see them together at all. But I think Kanye West obviously wants good like he just wants to show that he can get someone really hot and amazing, I guess. It's like the J-Lo Ben Affleck thing where it was just yeah, so obviously he, done to make J-Lo look like she's still got it and that she's still yes, kind of hot and relevant. Yes, I feel like yeah. he's done the exact same thing. Yeah. What does she get out of it? Just more street cred, I guess. Yeah, I think it's the same for her. Yeah. Yeah, true, because of Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I think they're both. It's, it's like, it, again, if I was putting my little chess pieces together, I would probably come up with that as a concept i think it'll last we should five do minutes. that for a job that would be so fun actually like but be like really some couples it. that i thought were full on full on publicity stunts like camilla caballo and sean mendes are just together at the beach and no paparazzi and just chilling out and seem really in love i thought they were only together for that random but really um catchy senorita song yeah, they they seem like the fakest relationship in the whole world, but that's been like three years now yeah. or something. So yeah. obviously it's not. I know. It's really cute. It's like cute now. Yeah, it's really interesting. So Dumois had a blind item that said about Kanye and Arena that one of the exes is really unhappy with the relationship, but not the one you'd think. And I, I can't figure out what that means. So I think you'd think it was Kim. Yeah. So it's Bradley but Cooper. Kim Why would Bradley probably Cooper doesn't care? give a shit? Yeah, I was like, I would actually think it was that Kim wouldn't care. No, yeah, that's too me- that's too like meta. Too it will meta. be Kim doesn't give a shit and Bradley Cooper does. But I don't think he would give a shit because he wants to date her. He probably gives a shit because he's like, God, you're supposed to be like Dunno. I know, I'm like, why well, can't think of a single reason why he would care? I guess he would care because it's like the publicity, all this, yeah, the publicity, all this intense publicity and stuff. But then also he can just fuck off because he did that whole like whirlwind love affair with Lady Gaga. That was like the cruelest thing a man's ever done to a woman. Is like that performance, that sickening performance at the Oscars, and Arena was just sitting I in know. the front row being like. But I guess you would just not give a shit if you knew it was. I don't think she cared at. An iota. I just think it's an embarrassing thing. Yeah, 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 to yeah. Do yeah, to your partner, exactly. like it's just like it was just so it was just so earnest and cringeworthy and embarrassing. It was just like none of you are getting the Oscar. Yeah. So just move the fuck on, okay? It doesn't matter how hard you try. <laughs> this Didn't stupid he try and um like bribe all the Golden Globes. People. I know, and it didn't even work, which is so embarrassing because it sounds like they'll turn it out for a fucking Emily and Paris. Night at the Ritz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny <laughs> and then the last one is this emrata j-law drama oh that was on yeah Dumois, which is i think we we kind of predicted when we talked about that yeah so this is All on right. Dumois, so it's like not confirmed and no one's reported on it but it was just a blind item that talked about how in emily radikowski's essay that she wrote for the cut or she wrote it and the cut published it buying myself back how she talked about her image and then she mentioned in it that a art Gallerious, gallerist art mm. guy had bought a nude photo of her and she was trying to buy it back for ages or something and couldn't get it and it was everyone in the art world knew that it was 
Jennifer Lawrence's husband, but Emily Ratajkowski didn't like name him specifically, but everyone knows that it was him who had her nude. I don't think he still does. And so that now allegedly like this blind item was saying that now um, J-Law hates Emrata and is like mortified that everyone knows and that they're not allowed to be invited to the same parties. <laughs> and they would be in the same scene. So it's like quite awkward. Yeah. Interesting. But also that's so gross of her husband to have that. But I guess if you're an art collector, maybe that's just art, but it's a random art to collect. Like I would be so off it if my boyfriend collected art of a really hot naked woman who is famous like me. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand the whole Richard Prince thing, which is just him like drawing Instagram pictures. So I think he's just like blowing the Instagram pictures up. I don't even think he draws them, does he? Yeah, I I, I don't even, I would just (laughs) be like, why do you think this is art? Yeah. But what do I know? Um, Okay, bye. bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.